When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. It's winter, it's here, it's cold out, and if you're feeling cold inside your house, you're feeling the shiveries, well, you know what time it is. It's time to talk to your local Pella Omaha and Lincoln experts about taking a closer look at your windows. You can save energy and stay warm with windows that are properly installed, the patented Pella way, by pros using windows and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Uh, I'm going to keep on hammering it until you guys start taking advantage of it every single week. Temperature Tuesdays are back. Yes, you got to take advantage of it. The temperature at 6 a.m. every single Tuesday in Runza land in January and February is the price you will pay for an original Runza sandwich when you purchase a medium fry and medium drink. I mean, that's a fantastic deal right there. Get on out to Runza, take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays, and while you're there, tell them Nick Ba sent you. Okie dokie. It is, uh, it's, it's January 20th, and... You know, usually when with college football in the rearview mirror, you know, with, with the college football playoff done and Bama won the national title, lots of people kind of start to, to, you know, the casual fans kind of start to turn their attention to, to, to college basketball. And with, with that in mind, and it also kind of coinciding with kind of the halfway point of the college basketball season, I wanted to fire up a midseason kind of big, broad national college basketball podcast to kind of go over a bunch of different things. And I got 10 different things to dive into with, with what we've seen from college basketball here for about, gosh, the better part of two, almost two months. Going to give you my player of the year, midseason player of the year, midseason coach of the year, surprise team, most disappointing team, All-American selections, Final Four picks, Final Four sleepers, got some bunch of different things we're going to get into. Uh, but let's start also in in the 10 things I want to, I want to dive into are kind of the th- three biggest stories of the season so far a- as I see it. So... It's going to be a nice way to kind of get us kind of kind of get get some forward momentum in this podcast right now. So, you know, obviously the let's preface everything with the biggest story of the season is still COVID, right? And its impact. Teams going on pause, games are being canceled and postponed left and right. I mean, geez, I bet I, in this month of January, in terms of games that I had scheduled for Fox to broadcast, I I seriously think I've lost half of them. I think half of my games have been canceled. I mean, it's been. It's been crazy how, uh, how, how challenging that's been. Um, so certainly that's been a, a, a big part of everything. And then obviously the no fans at the games. I mean, certainly the biggest thing surrounding college basketball uh, is COVID. Because, listen, it's still the biggest thing surrounding life as we know it. So I think we need to acknowledge that before we kind of get into anything else. Of course, the biggest overarching story for college basketball is COVID. But let, let's kind of put that aside and dive deep into to hoops uh, so far with college hoops. Okay, three biggest stories. The first story 
to me, is just how good Gonzaga has been and then the question of, can Gonzaga legitimately run the table, go undefeated, and win a national championship? If you haven't watched Gonzaga play, they're incredible. I mean, they're breathtakingly good, especially offensively. I mean, the amount of weapons, the way they play together, I mean, they've just been smashing people. They're the number one ranked team in the country, number one in Ken Palm. They're 14-0. and 0. They've, they've, They scored 90-plus on Kansas, rocked Auburn, blew Iowa out, rocked Virginia, beat West Virginia. I mean, they are hammering people. Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy are kind of the two of the most notable returners. They've been outstanding. They've elevated their, their game. And when you add in a McDonald's All-American five-star recruit in freshman Jalen Suggs in the backcourt, that's three big-time players right there. And right there. And Jalen Suggs has been outstanding. I mean, he he is must-see TV, very athletic, good open floor passer. And then you know, they have a guy like Fl- the Florida transfer, Andrew Nemhard, you know, coming off the bench for the most part. Like, it's just, they have they they have the most talented roster, and they've looked scary good. So, naturally, when you kind of run the table in conference, in, in non-conference play, when you get to West Coast conference play, the, the question of, hey, man, can they, can they run the table starts popping up, which is a real question. Like, I don't roll my eyes at that. I mean, who, who's going to touch them in the, in the West Coast conference? Who, who is going to touch them? BYU already beat them by 20 first time they played. San Francisco beat them by 30. Like, and I actually kind of think the no crowd thing helps Gonzaga because in their quest around the table, they're not going to run into a rock and road environment or anything like that. I mean, it's, it is realistic that they go undefeated and win a national title. It's realistic. Now, just because of, of you know, history and the nature of the tournament, I, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet against it. But what's weird is, like, I'd bet against that, but I also feel like if I had to bet on someone winning a national title, I'd bet on Gonzaga. I, I, it's just, it's hard to, it's, you know, we've seen teams go undefeated and then lose in the tournament. Wichita State, Kentucky recently in the past decade. You know, there's a reason that you got to go all the way back to, you know, the late 70s in Indiana when someone's actually run the table and won it all, right? But, man, it's just – Gonzaga has been scary good. They are so much fun to watch. And they are good enough to to run the table and win it all, which would obviously be an all-time season in the history of college basketball. So that's story number one. Story number two, the blue, bu- the blue blood struggles. The blue bloods of college basketball have had rough years. Outside of Kansas, every other blue blood has really struggled. Some worse than others, but the big the big headliner is Kentucky. I mean, they are not a good basketball team. Like you just, it's not even like I don't even necessarily really see the the raw talent either. Like they just they're not connected. They can't shoot. They they look uh, they look like they lack confidence. They I think they're they're four and nine now. They lost. I'm recording this on on the night of January twentieth. They lost just lost to Georgia. I mean, so they're four and nine. Duke is five and four and has no real quality wins. Their best win is probably against Notre Dame. And and North Carolina is eight and five. All three are unranked. Think about that now. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, all not ranked inside the top twenty-five. In fact, there was a little nugget uh I, I saw on on Twitter. That's this is the first time since December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty two, that Duke and North Carolina are unranked at the same time. 
I mean, let that sink in. Let that sink in. I mean, they are struggling right now. And then when you even like, I mean, usually you can kind of bank on those teams being at the top of the sport, not this year. Because if you take it a step further, even teams like Michigan State aren't near as talented. It, or, you know, KU has been winning, but this is, you know, it's because I think they got the best coach in college basketball and Bill Self. But this KU roster, to me, is like the least talented roster in well over 25 years at Kansas. So, to me, one of the biggest storylines is the Blue Bloods are struggling big time. Most notably, Kentucky. But, I mean, you look at Duke, Carolina, Michigan State. Like, all those teams are just, yeah. So, that's storyline number two. Story Storyline number three is just how good the Big Ten Conference has been this season. This league is absurdly deep. Absurdly deep. I mean, six teams are ranked in the top 25 this week, but this is even more like, whoa. 12 teams are in, are in Ken Palm's top 50. That's basically the entire conference. 12 teams. Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin are leading the charge in the rankings, but this league is just, it's crazy good and crazy deep. Basically, everyone not named Nebraska and I guess Penn State and maybe Maryland is like legitimately a tournament team. I mean, the Big Ten could get 10 teams in the tournament. They could get 11 teams in the tournament if everything falls right. It's the best conference in the country. It's the deepest conference in the country. And I think whenever that's kind of the, 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 the thing, that has to be one of the bigger storylines of the season. The Big Ten conference and just how good that conference has been. So that kind of gets us rolling with the three biggest storylines. Okay, so to kind of have some awards. Uh, surprise team so far. The, the, the surprise team of the season. Mine is, I'm sticking to the Big Ten, mine is Michigan. I mean, Michigan, they weren't even in the preseason top 25 coaches poll. And here we are on January 20th, and Michigan's ranked 7th in the country. They're ranked 4th in Ken Palm, and they're a number one seed in Joe Lenardi's projections. They are one of my five favorite teams to watch in the country. I, I like them. The sum of, of the whole is greater than the individual parts. Like, they are a true team. Now, it's not to say they're not talented, but they don't have, like, an individual All-American guy. But, man... When they play, their five as one is just rock solid on both sides, on both ends of the floor. I mean, Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson is a stud inside. Seven one freshman is, you know, a pure back to the basket five. He's got great feel in the post. He's a good passer. He's just a load physically. We know about their core, right? Like Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, Eli Brooks. Those guys have been around, um, and all three have been great. But the, the thing that I think has really exploded this, this team is Juwan Howard nailed the two grad transfers. Like, just nailed them. Mike Smith at point guard has stepped in and filled in for Xavier Simpson seamlessly. Like, he has been big-time good. He averages just under six assists per game. He just runs the team exactly how you, they need him to run the team. And then Sean D. Brown is a Wake Forest grad transfer. He's just a badass. Like, he's a big-bodied wing who can score. He defends his ass off. He's tough as nails. When he comes in the game, the energy of the game changes. So, I just like their roster, man. Michigan's 12-1. and Their only loss was a stinker at Minnesota. But other than that, they've looked great. And, man, I think Jawan Howard has been great uh, 
has been great on the sidelines, which leads me into my coach midseason coach of the year award right now. So right now to me, it's a kind of like a three-way tie between Jawan Howard, Mark Few, and Scott Drew. Sticking with Jawan Howard because we were just talking about him. I've been so impressed. Let's be honest, like you never fully know how it's going to work out when, when a college team hires an NBA guy that's never been in college and he's a former player. Like, sometimes that works really well. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes guys don't know exactly what they're getting into, and sometimes guys are totally ready for the job. I think Jawan Howard's been a home run. Like, his teams play with purpose. They play hard. They execute. Uh, you know, there's it's just clear, like, they have a plan, and they're executing that plan. Defensively, offensively, really, really impressed. So he's got to be in there. Then with, you know, with Scott Drew and Mark Few, like both the, Baylor and Gonzaga are both undefeated. And I just think we need to sometimes remind ourselves, this is like they're at Gonzaga and Baylor. The, these aren't traditional blue bloods. When I was at KU from 2003 to 2005, Baylor was the get right game. Baylor was the, I mean, I remember going to Waco and it was like the atmosphere was a joke. The team was not very good. And now Baylor's like, a you know, you can pretty much pencil them in being pretty damn good every year. I mean, again, they're undefeated and they're right there with Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga, I, I lean towards them head to head. But shit, I watched Baylor, I mean, give it to Kansas the other day. I mean, Baylor checks a lot of the boxes, too. So I think Scott Drew is a guy that, that I'm not going to lie, I had doubts on for a while, but not anymore. He's got to be in the conversation. He's got Baylor undefeated right now. And then Mark Few. Again, this guy has basically created a blue blood in Spokane, Washington, in the West Coast Conference. It's, it's, it's not easy to be undefeated, wear the bullseye, play the tough schedule that they did in the non-con, and go out and hammer people. And that's what they've done. That's what they've done. So I'm copping out. I feel like if I had to give it to someone, it's hard to not give it to Mark Few just because his team's undefeated. His team is the best team in the country. Um, but like my personal one is Jawan Howard. I'm just so damn impressed with what he's done. By the way, Michigan, last check, they have the number one recruiting class in the country too. So like he's getting, he, he's getting, his, he's getting, he, he took over a good situation with John Beeline, but he's, he's keeping that thing humming. Okay, uh, next category, most disappointing team. I have, a, I have a few. The first one I'm going to throw out there is Arizona State. Um, they were everybody's kind of preseason f- darlings. They were preseason favorites in the Pac-12. They were ranked in the preseason top 20. Um, I never bought into it, I, because mainly because I, I last year I watched Creighton play at Arizona State. And, and Arizona State's pretty much Arizona State's exact same team. And I thought Creighton played bad. Like, they were working Denzel Mahoney in. It was his second game back. He kind of disjointed some things. Like, I didn't even think Zegarowski didn't play well. Like, I didn't even think Creighton played well and they won on the road at Arizona State. Like, I just was not all that. I don't think we're – I'm not a huge Remy Martin fan. I I think he's a lot of fool's gold. Um, I think he's one of those guys, like, he's an empty stats, fun-to-watch guy. But but when it comes to winning, I'm not not a huge believer. So – for the record, like I never really bought into them, but the nation did. And the ratings and the projections reflected that. And they've struggled. They're four and six. They're one and three in Pac 12 pay. So they've been they've been they've been really disappointing. Um 
The next team I'd throw in there was a team I was really high on, and they just haven't fully clicked, and that's Illinois. Like, to me, that they were a preseason top five, top six team. They, they had final four potential. They returned arguably the best inside-out combination in the Big Ten with Ayu Dosumu and Kofi Coburn. They also have Bishanis Feely, a good stretch four that's physical and skilled. Trent Frazier uh, is, is back in the backcourt. And I like Brad Underwood a lot, but they just haven't fully found their groove. They're just 9-5. and five. They're still ranked, but all the way down at, at, at number 22 in the country. Now, again, this is all relative to my initial thoughts. Like, obviously, if you're 9-5 and five and ranked inside the top 25, it's, it's hard to say you've been bad. But when you have final four aspirations and you're a preseason top five, top 10 team, it's a little disappointing. And then, obviously, you got to throw in uh, you got to throw in Kentucky, and, and I'll throw a Duke in there, too. I had Duke in my preseason top 10, and they don't look like that at all. Because we've already talked about them. I mean, these two teams are a combined 9-13. and 13. Duke and Kentucky are combined 9-13. and 13. Again, they usually kind of run the sport, right? And it's not just, they just don't, they don't pass the eye test to me either. Like, usually, in, in college basketball, you could just, you could just have teams be shirts and skins. So take the, the jerseys off, and you should be able to tell, like, that's Duke. Or watch two teams play and be like, which one's Duke, which one's Kentucky, which one's Georgia, which one's Richmond, which one's Boston College. Like, you should be able to be like me, like, that is Duke, that's Kentucky. And I don't, I mean, I don't, they don't really pass the eye test to me. No excuse for Duke and Kentucky to be like this. But maybe there is with, like, when you go that one-and-done route, Sometimes it can, and you're constant. There's constant roster turnover. Maybe every once in a while you're going to run into a hiccup like this, and it happens to coincide with COVID and all that stuff. Um, so maybe there is an excuse with COVID and and when you are doing the whole one and done thing. But man, it just doesn't. I'll never, I'll never want to uh, explain away Duke and Kentucky not being elite, especially Kentucky. All right, midseason player of the year. Um, this is easy. I mean, I'm, I honestly don't know who would go, wouldn't have this guy. Like, I'm talking in all of every national basketball, college basketball pundit out there. Luca Garza. I mean, come on. He wore the preseason label as uh, the player of the year. And a lot of guys crumble with that level of, you know, of a target on their back and expectation. To me, he's been exceeded it. You know, like, he's been better than he was last year. Uh, 27 points per game. Leads the nation in scoring, eight rebounds per game. He shoots 62% from the field, 47% from three. I mean, he gets he gets double teamed and all the defensive attention every night, and he still goes out there and gets damn near 30 every game. I mean, and his team's awesome. Iowa's fourth in the rankings, third in Ken Palm, 12-2 and two overall. Easy pick, easy, easy pick. Luca Garza, uh, my, my midseason player of the year. Okay, uh, All-American team. First team All-Americans midseason. Let's take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime pals and loyal supporters of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors. Yeah, Pella has a window type for every home and every budget. And you might know Pella for its award-winning wood windows, but did you know that Pella also has a complete line of industry-leading patented fiberglass and vinyl windows? Pella's fiberglass windows use a patented Duracast material, more durable than aluminum or vinyl made from a composite material used in the aerospace industry for its strength, durability, and temperature resistance. It's big time. 
right there. And Pella's vinyl window series offer all the features that make it one of the most energy efficient windows on the market with the same value and style you've come to expect from all Pella products with outstanding structural integrity built from multi-chambered Fully welded frames and sashes, Pella's vinyl windows assure a quieter, more comfortable home. Bottom line, Pella's vinyl and fiberglass windows are really, really cool. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, let's talk about my good friends at Runza. Got another super secret menu item not a lot of people know about. My friends at Runza are hooking me up, and I'm going to let you in on it. This one's just, uh, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's a twist on the best fries on earth. Runza's Crinkle Fries. It's Runza's Chili Cheese Fries. That's some legendary Runza Crinkle Fries topped with their homemade chili and cheddar cheese sauce. Let me say that again in case some of you passed out just thinking about it. Legendary Runza Crinkle Fries. Homemade chili, cheddar cheese sauce. Oh, my goodness. It's a side that eats like a meal. So there you go. Another super secret menu item exclusively for Nick Bob Podcast listeners. So stop in, order the chili cheese fries at Runza, and while you're there, I'll tell them Nick Bob sent you. Okay, back to the podcast. Um, we might as well stick with the guy just handed the Player of the Year award to. Luca Garza is going to be on my first team All American, uh, at midseason All American team. I was one of the five, six best teams in the country right now. Um, again, he's leading the nation in scoring. Uh, it's just incredible how easy he scores. Inside, in the post, mid-range threes, gets to the free throw line. He creates so many scoring opportunities for the other guys around him. And, you know, when I watch him play, man, he uh, he has a great feel for post-positioning, timing, seals, when to seal a guy, how to seal a guy, um, angles in the post. He's got his great awareness around the hoop. Again, I don't think you understand how challenging it is in college basketball, especially in a conference like the Big Ten. Every night, everything is geared towards stopping you. Everything. Everything is about you. And he still gets 27 a night. Man, it's it's impressive. Dude's got a big-time motor, plays hard. Luca Garza. Uh, next guy on my first team All-American, Jared Butler. Again, Baylor's undefeated, and he's the, he's the man behind that group. He lit KU up the other night for 30. Um, he can really shoot. He is tough. He is experienced. Uh, just a big-time player. 16 points per game. He also is super active defensively. He averages two and a half steals per game. And his efficiency is there. 49% from the floor, 46% from three. Easy choice for a first-team All-American because Baylor's right there with Gonzaga. The reality is, um, for, for the next couple of picks, so I got Jared Butler. Um, I got... I got Luca Garza. The reality is you you could now put the three Gonzaga guys for these last three spots. If someone said, so okay, I'm gonna go Garza, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go Jared Butler, and then I'm gonna go Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, and Jalen Suggs, I would be like, I can't really argue with that. Cause if they would if they would come back at me like who's who who do you think's better than them? I'd be like, I can't. I mean, I can say some other guys are as good, but I can't say anybody's like definitively better than those three. So I guess just like say that out loud. You could you could justify putting three Gonzaga guys on first team All American. It's nuts, but for the sake of kind of spreading the love a little bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna spread it out. But I am gonna go with two of those three dudes, so I'm not gonna spread it out that much. I, I don't know how you don't have two of these dudes. 
at least two of them. And I, like, I, I basically, I don't know how you only take, I don't know how you leave two of those three guys off. How do you do it? I mean, turn the games on. Watch. So I'm going to go with Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy. Because the, I'm going to go with Kispert because he, I, to me, he sets the tone for their team. Like, he's tough. He's got some F you to his game. He, he plays with supreme confidence. He, he, he is the leading scorer and the best offense in college basketball, averaging 21 points per game. This is a, this is a wing that shoots 59% from the field. 59% from the field. That's outrageous for someone who does most of their damage from, from the perimeter. And outrageous for someone that isn't like a, you know, a, a back-to-the-basket five-man. 59% from the field, 49% from three. I mean, damn. So Kispert's on my first-team All-American, mid-season first-team All-American. Then I'm going to go Drew Timmy. Because at the end, of, Gonzaga needs his inside presence, and he's been great. He's the one guy that I had some questions around with Gonzaga in terms of kind of filling the voids left in the front line from a year ago. But, man, he has answered those questions emphatically and been unbelievably good. 18 points per game, seven rebounds a game, 60% from the field. Again, he gives he gives Gonzaga the balance that they need. So I'm going to go with uh, Drew Timmy. And then for the last spot, like I said, you could go with Jalen Suggs. And it pains me to leave him off. Like, it really does. Like, it, it hurt. I'm, like, uncomfortable recording this right now to leave him off first team. You can make a case for Cade Cunningham, the freshman stud from Okie State. If you haven't watched him play, he reminds me of Grant Hill a little bit. 6'8", super smooth, can handle it. He plays with incredible poise and control. Uh, he, 17 points per game, six rebounds a game, three assists per game. Okie State's been good. They're 9-3. and three. But I'm going to go with someone different. I'm going to go with someone that everybody's forgotten about because they've only played in one game in the past month. And that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova. Again, Villanova has been on COVID pause since they went since Christmas. Their last game was they, they played on December 23rd, and then they didn't play again until January 19th. So everyone's kind of forgotten about Villanova. Uh, Villanova's Final Four are good. And like they could win the whole thing. And he averages 15 points per game, seven rebounds per game. He's been their best player so far. I really like Jeremiah Robinson Earl's game. Um, again, I think they need, like I, like I was talking about with Timmy, that they need his inside balance and presence. I think Nova needs Jeremiah Robinson Earl's size and inside presence too. There are a lot of, you know, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a glorified five guard lineup, but they do need someone that could bang with someone inside, and that's that's Robinson Earl. He's got a great personality too. I might have t- I, I interviewed him last year at Big East. Uh, the Big East tournament. He ran, he was a freshman of the year, and we I was doing stuff for the Big East Digital Network. And great dude, like great head on his shoulders. Totally gets it. Awesome guy. So he deserves some national love. So so there you go. That's uh, I'll put Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl on there. You know, and you might be going, "Geez, you're like I, I am a uh, I'm a Vic- to the victor go the spoils guy. Like I want to reward winning. My my because f- my first team All Americans are all from top five teams. And I think that's legit and warranted. Warranted, you know, like, again, in review, I got Luca Garza, Jared Butler, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. That's my mid-season first-team All-American squad. Okay, to kind of to kind of wrap this up, 
I'm going to give you my quote. If the tournament started tomorrow, here's my final four picks. And then a few sleepers that could make a deep run um, in, in the tournament if a few things kind of go right for them. I'll, I'll, I'll start with a few sleepers. I'm going to give you, uh, I think I wrote down three. Yeah, I wrote down three. The first one comes with a, like a, a caveat and a preface in here. As long as James Booknight comes back and is 100% healthy from his elbow injury that he suffered a few weeks ago, as long as he comes back, I think UConn is a team you don't want to see. Because first of all, James Booknight is a lottery pick, top 15 pick. 6'5", excellent athlete, great score. He had 40 on Creighton uh, in in December. I mean, he is he's a big-time player. And then they are just tough as nails on defense. And that's kind of Dan Hurley's thing. But they're long, they're athletic, they can defend the rim, they can turn you over. And I'm just, I'm telling you, as long, again, as long as Book Knight comes back and is healthy. If he doesn't come back and healthy, then they just, they probably can't score enough from the perimeter. But if he comes back and is healthy, I'm just telling you right now, that's a team you do not want to see. They have three bigs who are mobile and long and can defend the rim and defend the post and rebound and Whaley and Carlton and Sonogo, RJ Cole, the Howard transfer is solid at the point guard spot. Um, Jalen Gaffney has played a lot of basketball. Tyrese Martin, who's a Rhode Island transfer, 6'6", kick your ass forward, tough. He's their leading rebounder. Um, and then they got Tyler Pauly, is a 6'8", stretch four, who could shoot the lights out. Uh, they just they're, they check a lot of the boxes to me as long as Book Knight comes back. If they, if they come back, UConn's a sleeper, man. Next team. Um, I know this will shock people given who I uh, I played college basketball for, but I'm going to – what coach? I'm going to go with Oregon. I like Coach Altman's team. I like Dan Altman's team. I think they're flying under the radar out west. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's thinking about them. They're 9-2. and two. I had their first game of the season against Missouri. They lost Will Richardson, who was a preseason all-Pac-12 guard, was going to be the starting point guard. Lost him like two or three days before the first game. And I think that disjointed them, and they lost to Missouri, who ends up Missouri's been – hell, Missouri could have been my surprise team of the season. Missouri's really, really dangerous team. But Will Richardson, he hurt his hand. He's been – right before the season started, he's still been out. They're expecting him to be back kind of very soon. And again, talk about a preseason all-pack 12 caliber. It was a preseason all-conference pick. So you get Will Richardson back. And listen, it's not like that. I mean, they're 9-2. and two. But you get Will Richardson back, and you add him to Eugene Omaruri, the Rutgers transfer, L.J. Figueroa, the St. John's transfer, Eric Williams Jr., the Duquesne transfer, and Quis Duarte, who is the former National Junior College first-team All-American two years ago. Like, I'm telling you, I saw them live. I saw them play. I saw them live in person for two games. They beat Seton Hall, and they lost to Missouri. And they, they like you talk about that eye test, they got, they're long, they're athletic, I'm telling you, Omaruri, Figueroa, Duarte, and Eric Williams Jr., shit. Shit. Like, those those guys are good. So, and then Coach Altman knows what he's doing, man. Like, he knows how to get teams peaking in March. Just tell you, once they get Will Richardson, like, look out. No one's talking about them. Look out. 
And then I, I, I'll, I guess let's talk about Creighton. I'll throw Creighton in here just so people can scream at me, Creighton Homer. But, you know, I, I really do believe in this team. I, I, I believe they have a deep run in them. They've kind of had an interesting year, though. Like, if you look at their they, – they haven't really – other than – you know, because we're recording this on, on January 20th. They just lost to Providence at home. So they've lost two games in a row. Um, And it's weird with Creighton because, like, outside of they hammered Seton Hall and they hammered St. John's. And then they hammered Nebraska in the second half. But other than that, they haven't really ever – been just like clicking the way everyone thought this team could kind of click. They've kind of had to grind out games, which is good, you know, good because you got to learn how to win when you, you don't have your A game offensively and you, and that's something that's eluded Creighton. But it's a little, I don't know, it's, it's, it's getting a little concerning that they haven't like, really, I'd only say for two and a half, they've only looked elite for two and a half games. But I think a lot of that comes back to Marcus Zagorowski. Like, they need, you know, I preface everything with Book Knight with UConn. Like, if Book Knight returns and is 100%, then this. Like, to me, Zagorowski has to return to form. He had he's had his meniscus surgery in the offseason. He clearly is struggling to get his groove fully back. And then he's been slowed down with a bad hamstring recently. He's missed the last two games until he played tonight on January 20th, recording this, uh, he played against Providence um, at home. But he just you, – you can tell he's not fully himself yet. And I've been on record for years saying that – for a couple of years that, like, it, it, Creighton goes as Zagorowski goes, period. If Zagorowski returns to form, though, and he's the guy that we all know that he can be, then I do think Creighton's good enough to go to the Final Four. I mean – this team's much more, much improved on defense, much more disruptive. They finally kind of defend the rim with Colt Brenner, who's seven foot. Christian Bishop's gotten stronger. And then, you know, Mahoney and Jefferson and Ballock are skilled, experienced wings. They got a bench they can go to now with Alex O'Connell, the Duke transfer, Antoine Jones, the Memphis transfer, Sharif Mitchell's a junkyard dog off the bench, Colt Brenner, the seven footer I mentioned. Like, they, they check a lot of the boxes that you want to see. But the big thing is. Marcus Zagorowski. He gets rolling. I think Creighton's a, a Final Four sleeper, but he's got to get rolling. So those are my uh, – those are I'll give you three sleepers. I'll stop at that. But here are my uh, – I'll give you my legit midseason Final Four picks. First one, Gonzaga. Easy. I mean, we've talked about them. They could run the table. Um, they are as explosive of an offensive team as you'll, you'll see in recent college basketball. Just, just in, incredible to watch. Like – what they did to Virginia, and this is Virginia, Tony Bennett's Virginia. What they made, they made Virginia look like, like a JV team. I mean, just lit them up. What they did to they they hung ninety on Kansas, made it look easy. They ran Iowa off the out of the gym, made it look easy. Ayayi, Timmy, Suggs, Kispert, Nemhard, team's awesome, dude. I mean, they are awesome. So Gonzaga, obviously, uh, Baylor would be my next pick. Also undefeated right now. And, you know, in all reality, if they had Gonzaga's remaining schedule with, you know, playing in the West Coast Conference instead of the Big 12, I mean, we've maybe been talking about them running the season and running the table in the regular season. But someone's going to get Baylor in the Big 12. Someone's going to get them, whether it's, you know, can they still got to go to Kansas, or Texas. Uh, Texas could get them. Uh, Texas Tech could get them. You know, someone's going to get them. 
But Baylor is legit. They're the number one Ken Palm uh, defensive efficiency rated team in the country. I I love watching them. I think that's my favorite thing about them. I love watching them defend. I mean, I think they are. I think that I think right now it's hard to say that they don't have the best half court defense in the country. It's mesmerizing to watch them guard. It's like there's a force field like 17 feet in, and you can't like penetrate it. And they just cover up for each other, and they're tough, and they're and they're they're just the good combination of good individual one on one defenders, and they execute a plan. You know what I mean? They cover up for each other. Man, it's good. Um, ba- Butler's Butler uh, uh, Butler Baylor's uh, Baylor's a real deal. They're they're my my second Final Four pick. Third third team is uh, is Villanova. I love Villanova. And again, like I said, everyone's kind of forgotten about them because they've been on pause for a month. This team is great. They play exactly like Jay Wright wants his teams to play. Now they're not as good. This is this team isn't as talented as his two national title teams. But that doesn't mean this team can't win a national title. Like this team isn't Brunson and DiVincenzo and Bridges and Spellman and uh, Eric Pascal and Josh Hart and Archie. It's not, it's not those guys, but they're talented. They're they're talented. They, they're slow, methodical, kind of just torture you with ball screens and isolations and jump stops and extra passes. And I mean, they're and then personnel wise, like I mean, Colin Gillespie is a warrior and a winner. We've talked about Jeremiah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Justin Moore might be the most underrated player in the country. Um, 6'5", wing. Jermaine Samuels is a great athlete. Cole Swider can shoot it. I love Caleb Daniels, the Tulane transfer, big-bodied wing. I really like Nova, man. It's it, They are absolutely in my midseason Final Four picks. And then the last the last team, I wanted, I, I wanted to put Iowa here. I did. But I've watched, uh, I've, I've watched a ton of Iowa lately. I was supposed to do their game against Michigan State. That got canceled because of COVID. Um, I'm going to do uh, Iowa hosting Indiana on uh, January 21st, Thursday, January 21st. So I've, I've watched, I've watched like almost every damn near every game Iowa's played. They just aren't great on defense. They're just not very athletic. Um, they got to, they got to play zone because they can't really guard one-on-one individually. And I think ultimately that's going to catch up to them. But man, Iowa is just offensively, it's, it's crazy, man. We know about Garza, but like when you surround him with with Jordan Bohannon and C.J. Frederick and Joe Wieskamp and Connor McCaffrey, like it's just beautiful. Like the the shooting, the skill, the passing, the chemistry. No team has more half court offensive chemistry than than Nova or than than Iowa. Excuse me. Like there's teams that are more like Gonzaga's better in the half court from a talent standpoint, but like chemistry, the way the ball moves, the way they all were, it's just it's crazy. But I wanted to go with Iowa, but I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm not going to go away from that feeling I have in my gut when I started studying them on film. I started watching their games, and I just was like, oh my God. Oh my God. This team is like, wow. Wow. You know, when you... It's funny how your your expectations can set. Like I, I I'm watching them. I'm like, this team looks like one of the best teams I've seen this year. But you kind of go, well, they're then you you know they weren't they weren't highly touted in the preseason. You start to doubt it. You know what I mean? You're like, well, wait a minute, what am I missing? Like for a long time, I've done that with for a few weeks. I was doing that with Michigan. I was like, what am I wait? What am I missing? Or I kept on waiting for the other shoe to drop or waiting for them to fall apart. I'm telling you, man, this team is this team is good. They are like. They feel like they're just so well put together 
and man, they execute. Like, man, do they have a clear, concise plan of what they want to do on both ends of the floor, and they just execute it to death. They can really defend. Um, Dickinson is really hard to guard. 7-1, big man, like, really hard to guard down there. He can pass if you double him. He's got good feel. They got great size on the wing with with Wagner and Livers defensively. Eli Brooks has played a lot of basketball for them. Mike Smith, the point guard, it looks like almost a – I mean, he's a better scoring Xavier Simpson. And they are – they are in the Ken Palm top 10 offense and defensive efficiency in the country. Top 10 offense, top 10 defense, which usually is a good sign if you want to be a Final Four team. I like Michigan a lot. I've, I've fought it. I've kept on going, what am I missing? What's wrong? What, like, hold on, what am I not seeing? I, what I'm seeing is one of the best teams in the country. In fact, they're a team right now that on January 20th, I would, I'm going to say – Tournament start tomorrow. I'm, I'm riding that team in the Final Four. So there you go. My midseason Final Four picks. No real cr- crazy limb, obviously, with, you know, you look at the, the rankings. But, I mean, I just think this is like, I think these are the best teams in the country. Nova, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan. So there you have it. Again, a lot of people kind of were, were, you know, are in foot, college football mode and uh, – and they really start to focus their attention to college basketball when with football in the rear view for on, on the college sides of things. And then we're about the halfway point, you know. I mean, the season started November 25th. Um, it is January 20th. So I wanted to kind of uh, get a kind of a big, broad overview of what we've seen so far. Um, been a fun season so far. Been been fun, but there are a lot, a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of interesting things to track. Can't wait to see what February and March brings uh, for college basketball and when the tournament comes. Should be a blast. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Click that subscribe button. Leave a five-star rating review. Uh, helps me out, and it makes sure you don't miss any of the great pods that we are dropping. Appreciate you guys tuning into the pod. We'll see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.